every day when I wake up in the morning I see the sky and I think about the things that you've made All the beauty and your glory is showing, yeah It never bores me to look at the ocean The waves are crashing, the water's spraying up in my face To look above and all the seagulls are soaring, yeah Got to overcome the darkness So we don't get caught in the middle Between the hopeful and the heartless So Hello, good day, good morning I just can't stop smiling Because today is a brand new day And all the darkness and the pain Is just fading behind me Oh Lord, what a beautiful day All the planets surround me The way they orbit just boggles my mind The way the sun keeps on shining, yeah We've got to overcome the darkness So we don't get caught in the middle Between the hopeful and the heartless So, hello, good day, good morning I just can't stop smiling Cause today is a brand new day And all the darkness and the pain is just fading behind me Oh Lord, what a beautiful day There's nothing to fear, it'll be okay It's the day that the Lord has made day that the Lord has made. There's nothing to fear, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. It's the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. So, hello, good day, good morning. I just can't stop smiling. Cause today is a brand new day. And all the darkness and the pain is just fading behind me. Oh, Lord, what a Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug on Q&A Day. Q&A Day one of how many? I don't know. Plan to do this all week. We'll see how many questions come in. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Uh, hey, good morning, Caitlin and Ken and Keith from St. Joe, Missouri. And Ken's in Canada. Uh, Caitlin's got a good friend in Vancouver Island, but she doesn't say where she is from. Hey, Lewis. Good morning. I know you're in Canada as well. Lukewarm Namor says, grabbed up some Blake White books. That's good. Hey, uh, we're still running the sale at crosstocrown.org. So uh, we've got a few of Blake's books there for $5, free shipping on orders, more than $20. So jump on over there before that sale ends. Glad you got some of those, Luke. Uh, good morning, Juan. Glad you could join us live. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Ken. Uh, Caitlin's in beautiful Montana. Excellent. Glad to have you with us. All right. So yeah, this week we're going to do some questions and answer. Thanks for sending some of those in. Feel free to uh, add more to that. Uh, so on the uh, YouTube community post... I uh, I put a question, I don't know, it's pinned to the top, I think, 
and uh, there's a question mark icon there. Anyway, put your questions on there and we will get to them as we go. There's been sort of a theme with some of these questions, uh, which doesn't uh, surprise me too much. So we will uh, we'll talk about um, Christian nationalism, two-kingdom theology, some of that. There were several questions around those things, but there's other topics as well. So I'm going to sort of go through in the order that you sent them in. Now, I haven't looked over these questions carefully. I glanced at them as they came in, but um, I haven't spent any time preparing. I... Uh, I used to do Q&A. I used to teach uh, every year at our college and career retreat. And man, those were great times. I really enjoyed those. We had a bunch of 20-somethings, 30-somethings. And, uh, you know, these folks were college age and young and thinking about all kinds of stuff in the world. And we'd always have a theme and, you know, I'd teach several times through the weekend. But then uh, in the evenings, we would spend really unhurried time doing Q&A. And uh, it was an open forum, whatever they wanted to ask. And those were some of my favorite times. I've done that 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 thing, that kind of thing in, in a variety of settings where we just can talk and we don't have to rush and we can just get to some questions that are on people's mind. And so we're kind of going to simulate that here. Obviously, I can't hear directly from you in, in your voice, but you can uh, you can put things in the chat and I'll take a peek there. And uh, we've got a, a few days here we can follow up and come back to some things if we want to. So uh, I like to just kind of answer off the cuff. So that's what most of these are going to be. So maybe that's a <laughs> maybe that's a bit of a caveat uh, that I reserve the right to think about it later and come back and, uh, and readdress. Hey, Ron, glad that you're back with us. All right. So let's take a look at, uh, I believe this is the first question that came in here from uh, William K. BM60H, is that you, Kenwood? Yeah, it looks like the same same picture, so he's on here. Good. So he says, I grew up using the New American Standard Bible, and then the past couple of years switched to the ESV, the English Standard Version, and that's what our church was using. But I've been reading the NASB more since following your channel. Have you looked into the ESV much? Is the NS NASB more literal? Like, was the ESV missing the therefores and becauses, et cetera, like, you, uh, like the NIV? If you haven't looked into it, that's okay. Just thought I'd ask. And which version of the NESB do you prefer, the 77, 95, or 2020? All right, good question. Um, so, yeah, I know uh, I'm pretty familiar with the ESV. Uh, if you spend any time at all in the Reformed theology camps, that seems to be uh, the preferred version. Um Although if you're from the R.C. Sproul ver end of things, you might prefer the Reform Bible, which I think uh, comes in ESV and New King James. Is that right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyway, um, so one of the reasons the ESV was liked so much when it first came out, by uh, liked so much by the um, Reformed folks, was its handling of something like uh, this. Let me... Uh, let me pull this up here. First John 5. Uh, let me think. Is it chapter 1 here? I think this is it. Yes. Okay. So you notice the NAS here in uh, in First John 5. 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So in our English translation here, 
what tense is is. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Is is in the present tense, right? So John is simply saying, if you believe, then it is also true that you are born of God. We switch over to the ESV. You will see it reads this way. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Do you know what tense has been is? If you're a has been, what tense are you? <laughs> do you know that? Do you see the difference there? What is uh, anybody, any grammarians among us that knows that uh, Lewis uh, got it? Yeah, that's called the perfect tense. So there's a, there's a difference. Perfect tense is a past tense. Sometimes you'll hear it called the past perfect. So a present tense simply tells you what is true currently. Doesn't really tell you anything about how things came to be. It's just this is a state of, of truth right now. Okay? And a past tense verb in the Greek speaks of something that started in the past and continues on to the present. If I say, I am married, that's all you know is currently I'm married. If I say, I have been married for 30 years, am I still married? Yes. Right? I have been married for 30 years indicates that I got married 30 years ago and I'm still married. What if I say, I had been married 25 years? Or let me say it a different way. What if I say I had been married eight years and then I had children? Does that tell you anything about whether I'm married now? No, if that's called the pluperfect tense. So if I say I am married, then you know I'm married. If I say I have been married for 30 years, then I got married 30 years ago and I'm still married. If I say I had been married eight years when we had kids, you would not know whether I'm married now or not. The pluperfect doesn't indicate what's current. It just says something that started in the past and we don't know its current state. So has been, everyone who believes Jesus is the Christ has been born of God indicates this birth happened in the past, continues on now, and the Reformed folks would say this is a verse, a proof text for the new birth being the cause of our belief. All right, well, I don't want to get into all the theology of that right now. The point is, in this case, the ESV is a better translation because in the Greek, the new birth there is in the perfect, and it should be translated has been. So plus one for the ESV there. There are other places where the ESV, I don't think, is as literal as the NAS. So uh, I spent quite a bit of time reading the ESV. Uh, I had some folks pushing toward uh, pushing our church at the time uh, more toward ESV. And uh, the more I got into it, it just wasn't any better than the New American Standard. Um, for my money, the best, most literal translation of English, uh, in English, is the New American Standard. Um, ESV has a few points that's better. Even the NIV, which I don't 
love, but the NIV is more accurate in some places. But overall, the, uh, the, the English version that seems to stick closest to the uh, Greek is the New American Standard. Uh, the, the New King James is actually even better. The problem is the New King James is translated from poorer Greek manuscripts, meaning there are some places that I think they get it pretty wrong because the Greek is wrong. And that gets into textual criticism, which we'll come at another time. So anyway, short answer, <laughs> Ken, is I prefer the NAS. I believe it is closer to the original than the ESV. The ESV tries to be literal, but a little more readable than the NAS. And I think uh, by doing so, they give up some of the literal translation. So I prefer the NAS over that. And I prefer the, uh, the 95. I don't like the 2020. The 2020 version went a little bit more uh, toward the inclusive language on like male and female and sons and daughters and stuff. And I don't like that at all. So I prefer the 95, uh, 77 is okay. 95 is my preference. I don't like the 2020 at all. I would choose the ESV over the uh, 2020 NAS. So I hope that, uh, hope that answers your question. Caitlin says my pastor is KJV only. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. That's, uh, that's not good. Uh, Juan says, uh, just like the ESV, because it seems to be to have displaced the NIV from popularity. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's fair. Um, put it this way: if you're just, uh, never mind. I was going to say if you're just reading along, ESV is is a little more readable. But look, we're capable of we're capable of understanding the NAS. I think you should read. I prefer the NAS. Uh, Klaus, is that uh, Klaus Vedanas? Is that how you say your name? I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. What are your thoughts on full preterism? Um, well, let me give you a quick comment there, and then uh, then I'll jump back to the order. Uh, I do not see the uh, the scripture supporting full preterism. Um, I'm pretty strong, pretty high octane partial preterist, but uh, full preterism I think uh, cannot handle texts like 1 Corinthians 15 and, and some others. Uh, Lukewarm No More says, I'm NIV and KJV only. <laughs> yeah, that's a contradiction in terms, buddy. Uh, what about the present tense of propitiation in 2.17 that usually gets ignored? Are you talking about 1 John 2? And I suppose you have an agenda with that to uh, displace... Uh, substitutionary atonement, what seems to be uh, what you like to do there. And the world is passing. Oh, uh, 2.17. Uh, oh, Hebrews. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become the merciful and faithful high priest in service to make propitiation. All right. Um, so uh, the uh, the first verb here, he was made, it's, it's imperfect. So it's, he had is eh, not exactly literal, but that's okay. Uh, he had to be made like his brother. So that's in order that uh, he would become subjective. Okay, so it might become works uh, in order to... Uh, all right, well, it's an infinitive. Uh, he, Peter, do you... Have you studied Greek? I forget. I don't think you have, right? 
Um, so part of the translation difficulty here comes with, uh, it is a present infinitive, but infinitives tend to be subservient to the controlling verb a little bit more, <clears throat> excuse me, than, than even participles do. Uh, what is, what would be the point? Why are you stressing? Uh, okay, so if this is present, so he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to currently make propitiation for the sins of the people. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, you're trying to make something of it, obviously. So what are you trying to make of it? And maybe I can respond to that. Uh, Caitlin says, thank you for the clarification on the various Bibles. I was surprised Riesinger refers to Schofield Bible and Abraham's uh, seeds. Um, well, he doesn't refer to it in a positive sense, does he? Uh, the Schofield Bible would be, you know, that's uh, that's the one of the dispensational favorites. Uh, so I'm trying to remember, I know he mentioned it, quotes it, but I don't think he refers to it uh, uh, favorably. Juan says, love the NASB, also grown fond of the LSB. Yeah, the Legacy Standard Bible, that's the uh, John MacArthur's group. Uh, I haven't read that to be very candid with you. Um, so I need to look into that. I, I know uh, some others have also suggested to me that I should spend more time there. Um, Luke Warmanamore says, Dr. Brooke Hollett wrote a good book on preterism. Cool. Peter says, PSA would say that this is one and only act in the past on the cross. Therefore, this would not be present to my mind. Yeah, but I don't think uh, the, the propitiation could be present and ongoing and uh, have a present effect even with the past act. So I don't, I, I know you're, you're all over that. You are on a, on a mission to destroy PSA for some reason. And uh, I've told you before, I've read all your stuff. I, I'm just not persuaded. And uh, certainly this verse would not uh, be the linchpin for that view. Ron says, NLT, New Living Translation. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. It uh, takes way too many liberties. Um, so, all right, let me, uh, let me get to another question. I think I've kept up with this strand of thought here. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, all right, Ken has another one here. I've noticed more recently how often the spirit is mentioned in regards to Christian living and holiness, especially in the New Testament as part of being in the New Covenant. I think you mentioned that it wasn't by following the law or by the scriptures that we grow in holiness, as most Christians didn't have a copy of the scriptures. It was by the spirit. Any thoughts on how to be led more by the Spirit or thoughts in general? Teaching on the Spirit seems to be lacking in the church or at least in the Reformed Baptist churches or its growth in holiness by following the law, etc. Yeah, so uh, one of the things you're referring to is in uh, Galatians chapter 3, Paul uh, rebukes the Galatians there by starting by the Spirit. They started their Christian walk, if you will, uh, by the Spirit through faith in the gospel, 
And now because the Judaizers are influencing them, they are tempted to go back to the law. And he rebukes them harshly, calls them fools, basically, or at least they've become foolish. And he says, you began by the spirit, you began by faith. Why would you now go back to the flesh? Which, uh, as if you've been with us, you know, the flesh there, you shouldn't think flesh primarily is sinful nature. That That's a theological imposition on the term. It, it's more circumcision binding uh, to the old covenant law that does arouse sinful passions, as Paul says in Romans 7. But uh, don't think of flesh as a term for sinful nature there. And he's saying, you're going to go back to the law now? to circumcision in the flesh and and try to be sanctified by keeping the law, it, it can't happen. All the law does is arouse those passions that uh, that are evil. And so he says, no, you, you started with the Spirit, continue by the Spirit. And as uh, Ken mentions here, I said this in some series recently, uh, remember the early church didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the New Testament. How do they know what to do? Well, they were instructed. Remember, the church started with the apostles' teaching, and the apostles walked with Jesus, so they were able to say, here's what the Lord Jesus teaches. Um, But they had the Spirit, and the Spirit is sanctifying us. We call him the Holy Spirit. We talk about the doctrine, quote-unquote, of sanctification. He is making making us more like Jesus. This is one of the uh, blessings promised in the New Covenant. Remember in uh, Jeremiah 31, 31 and following, when God predicts the coming of the new covenant, the days are coming, I'll make a new covenant, not like the old covenant that I made with Israel and so on. He says, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. What's he saying there? He's going to put his, his commands on the inside. It's another way of saying he's going to transform us into the kind of people that want to please God. The Jews didn't have that. Uh, Ezekiel, we looked at this last week, if you were with us in Hebrews, uh, I will give them a new heart. I'll put my spirit within them and sanctify them. And so, yes, we must walk in the spirit. We must Ask the Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. We need to seek the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the deeds of the body, as Romans 8 talks about. Uh, in fact, this gets to uh, Keith asked a question, send it to me, uh, direct message. Um, you know, why does God allow us to continue to sin? I get asked that question quite often. Well, I don't, I don't like the framing of that. Uh, why does God allow? Uh, that's his business. So let's not talk about what God, why God does stuff, but what does the scripture say? We are tempted. We have temptations before us all the time. Why do we give into them? Well, just because we do. (laughs) So instead of asking the why question in terms of why do we do that, let's ask the how question. How can we resist temptation? We walk in the spirit. We uh, ask the Spirit for power. We, we ask for a growing hatred of our sin and a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's one of the main things the Spirit is to do. He, he glorifies Christ. He, he leads us to Christ. He, he 
transforms us into uh, righteous people. And I do, I agree with you, Ken. I think there seems to be a, a lack of teaching, uh, in, especially in reform circles. In so many reform circles, it seems like we think that the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible and then he sort of stopped working other than regeneration. Reformed folks love to, uh, to say that the Spirit is the one who, who gives them the new birth and he wrote the Bible and he gives you new birth and he draws you to the Bible and systematic theology and the confessions and the creeds and that's pretty much all that he's done. And typically Reformed folks look at Romans 7 as though he's a Christian and he's not a Christian in Romans 7. He can't be. I did a whole series on that. But if you think Paul in Romans 7 is a Christian, think about the defeatist mindset that that speaks to. I have this, I'm enslaved to sin, he says. I'm in bondage to sin. I can't get out of it. I want to do what's right, but I can't because I'm enslaved. And so Reformed theology tends to promote this slavery to sin mindset. And then you couple that with preaching from the Old Testament, like your righteousness is filthy rags and the heart is uh, deceitfully wicked above all things. And there's just, it's a, it's a minimal, at least an implied, implicit minimalization of righteousness. None of that's true. We are new creatures in Christ. That old heart has been removed. We have a new heart that wants to please God. And the Spirit of God is making us more righteous. We, I had a pretty strong debate with a, uh, a Reformed guy one time about this. I said, you, you, you believe the doctrine of sanctification, right? Yes, and he gives me the whole theological uh, definition of it. I said, okay, do you believe he actually is sanctifying us? And he paused and he, he, he saw this. He's kind of stuck because he, he knows he has to say yes, but he just made this case that we're wicked and all this. So anyway, the point is the Holy Spirit is making Christians more righteous. If you're not more righteous than you were five years ago, 10 years ago, something's wrong. If you've been a Christian that long, well, even if you haven't been a Christian that long. So we have to sow to the spirit. We have to seek the power of the spirit and hunger for righteousness. And he is going to give us the ability to overcome temptation. There is no temptation that you cannot overcome. So keep going, keep going. Now, we have an advantage over the New New Testament era. We have the whole New Testament to read. But what does that New Testament tell us again and again? You've been freed from slavery to sin. You have the power in the Holy Spirit to overcome. Walk in righteousness. Walk in the joy of the Lord. That's your strength. It's one of the reasons I continually, in every setting, tell people, rejoice, be glad. Because when you're joyful, when you're glad in Christ, when your faith is strong and you, you see all the blessings the Lord has poured out on you, you don't want to sin. It's when you get discouraged and down that you're more vulnerable. Um, all right, to see uh, Anthony's responding to Peter. Alfred has a question here. Uh, hey, would you do me a favor? Because our time is up. Would you put that in, uh, in the community notes under the post about the Q&A? So I can come back to it because I, I lose these chats. I don't know where they go all the time. 
but I'm not going to remember exactly what you asked here. Ron says, those Reformed folks, uh, Lewis, the wretched man of Reformed theology. Yes, the lowly worm syndrome. Yeah, very good. Uh, Juan says, funny, was just listening this morning to your Romans 7 message. Have to listen again. Not sure I'm quite there. Well, keep going. You'll get there. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that uh, went quickly, at least on my end. Um, we didn't even get to the Christian nationalism stuff. So tomorrow, probably, uh, we'll get back to it. We'll keep our keep working our way through it. Um, again, there's a post on the YouTube community notes. It's the pinned post. If you have more questions, uh, put them in there, and uh, we will work, work our way through them. Have a great day in the Lord, seeking righteousness by the Holy Spirit. You're not a wretched man or woman. See you tomorrow. God bless.